Hello everyone and welcome back to Friends Fascinated. Last week we did an episode on conjoined twins and we actually got another write-in from Nathan Schuwerk and uh, he let us know, um, we touched on the Holocaust a little bit and how people with disabilities were treated in that horrific era and he let us know that um, the Holocaust was in fact horrific but um, actually the U.S. had some pretty awful hand in how people with disabilities were treated um, and it wasn't until the 1990s when the Americans with Disabilities Act was passed. And um, he let us know that in 1910 and the 1920s, um, Indiana was the first state to have mandatory sterilization and mandatory lobotomies for people who are disabled, which is insane. I think we can dive deeper in the future on this, and it's really helpful to hear about how it's easy as Americans or just human beings in general to idealize and um, put your country on a pedestal. But if you take a magnifying glass to where you live, it really can highlight how, you know, everybody has made mistakes and done awful things. And the U.S. is also learning and growing. And it sounds like we had a hand in people with disabilities being treated poorly. So thank you, Nathan, for reaching out to us about this. Um, that's a really helpful insight moving forward, and we appreciate it as always. Um, if you want to be like Nathan, you can reach out to us on Instagram. Uh, we're very active on there, and we love to hear from you guys. And we're a pretty small podcast, so if you reach out, you will hear back from us. So thanks, everybody. We are two friends trying to gain perspective on the remarkable world around us. I'm Jet Jones. I'm Mackenzie DeMaio. And this is Friends Fascinated. If you like what you hear today, don't forget to review and subscribe. This episode, we are going to deep dive into tattoos. We were super excited to research the topic of tattoos because we are two tattooed individuals. So <laughs> You a little more than me, but yeah. <laughs> yes, I have a little bit more, <laughs> but we were excited because uh, we've been through the process of being tattooed, and so um, we know at least firsthand that experience, mm -hmm. and so we did research on all kinds of fun stuff. We were excited to learn the history as well as the science behind it and some stories, uh, and so first looking into kind of when I thought about my first experiences with tattoos it was temporary tattoos oh yeah oh i loved those oh they were so fun and they oh were my gosh colorful you saying that brings back so <laughs> many memories for me because so i grew up playing soccer from when i can just my first memories and we would get my dad would get us packs of temporary tattoos Aww. but they, it, it wasn't a sweet thing it was like these are your warrior tattoos and so <laughs> I, I would be the kid to show up with like barbed wire around my like legs and arms <laughs> to show up for a oh, soccer game so like funny. I'm ready to fight dad let's do this <laughs> great <laughs> yeah so I always had like sparkly pink like oh, rainbow no, not me. Was, like mine said like mom with like a, like a oh, skull that's or hilarious <laughs> but yeah and then um the older I got the more people I met that had actual permanent tattoos so um usually it was like family friends or relatives or someone and it was always very edgy like it was gonna be maybe not as well done like barbed yeah. wire mom yeah. tattoo kind of thing and so I would say the older I got around my teenage years was kind of when 
I had like a mental transition when I realized, oh, tattoos can be incredible works of art and they can be so beautiful and they can be edgy, but maybe they're not. Like it could be very meaningful. Yeah. And I think social media had a lot to do with that because if you think about imagery and artistry, that's what's going to be visually most appealing while Mm -hmm. you're online. So I know when Pinterest came to be tattoos, I feel like we're one of the main... Oh, I had hundreds posted. Yes. Like they were all over Pinterest and I think that got them really going. And I think that was honestly maybe the group of people who are just a little bit older than us so the yeah, ones probably. who are influencing us were legally old enough to get exactly, tattoos <laughs> exactly because I remember my sister looking at Pinterest for tattoo ideas yeah, and then yeah. eventually I think that led me to see a little bit more of that imagery and kind of become more accepting of it yeah I think seeing them on Pinterest was also for me what made me realize how beautiful they can be because the people that I knew that got tattoos they were like they'd had them for a long time and I mean technology's come a long way Mm -hmm. and so um just to give a little bit of background a tattoo for anyone who might not be aware is a form of body modification where you insert ink dyes or pigments into the dermis layer of the skin to change the pigment Mm -hmm. and it usually uh, at least most tattoos are supposed to be permanent yep and so it's a big commitment to get a tattoo. <laughs> and so um, tattooing for a more, I guess, scientific description, it involves placing the pigment on the skin's dermis, the layer of dermal tissue under the epidermis. And um, it has to go in a certain amount. There's like a sweet spot for where it needs to go. Um, and after it's injected, it's dispersed through the damaged layer of the skin. And the presence of the foreign material activates the immune system cells to engulf the pigment particles. And as the healing process continues, the damaged epidermis flakes away so if you've ever had a tattoo you've been through that um experience where it kind of flakes as um, like scratchy kind of like um exactly what a sunburn is like when when it's really bad it feels exactly like a a sunburn or an actual burn if you've ever had one of those at least Mm -hmm. in my experience um and so that eliminates any surface pigment and then um what's left is going to be that deeper tissue that is permanently dyed Mm -hmm. that's why when you see photos of fresh tattoos they look so bright because the (laughs) the dye is in the top layer of skin too until that heals up but once things heal up a little bit it fades just a tiny bit yep and then the presence there is stable from then on and then long term after several decades the pigment tends to migrate deeper into the dermis and can uh, account for a little bit of um, degrading in the detail of the tattoo Mm -hmm. so uh, some tribal cultures have created tattoos by actually rather than using needles by cutting designs into the skin and then rubbing the wound with ink ash or other agents some cultures create tattoos by hand dipping the ink into the skin using sharp sticks or animal bone that are made into needles with clay formed discs or in modern times actual needles so modern tattooing i would say in for sure in my experience but probably in a lot of people's experience is going to be an electric tattoo machine or it's also called a tattoo gun Mm -hmm. tattooing is regulated in many countries due to health risks that can be posed to both the client and the practitioner and that can be things like infections or viruses that can be transmitted because it is an open wound so i know in my experience when i've gotten tattoos i'm given aftercare instructions for how to properly clean and care for the tattoo so it doesn't get infected. Tattoos fall into three categories, purely decorative, symbolic, and pictorial. And so those would be ones that depict specific images or items. Mine are purely decorative. Uh, I think I would say yours may be a little more symbolic, one of them. Um, a little bit. I mean, my intentions, yes, going into them, I tried to be kind of philosophical about my choices. Um, My tattoos, I just have a butterfly between my shoulder blades, and it's just your pretty standard kind of cartoonized (laughs) butterfly tattoo with some detail work in it with 
kind of a range of colors. Um, but when I was getting that initially, I was thinking I was, I got it on my 18th birthday and I was thinking about like accepting change and embracing change. And of course, butterflies are like the biggest symbol of change. Even so deep. It's so cliche, but <laughs> I, I mean, I liked it and I like insects, so I enjoy it. I think yeah. someday I'll get it touched up and refreshed. Um, but my other one is of a really tiny Ferris wheel on my ankle that says yes next to it because uh, me and my husband got engaged on a Ferris wheel. So I suppose they're a little bit momentous of tattoos. But Yeah, yeah. whereas mine are very much just I, I liked the design and didn't have any specific meaning or intention behind it. And so I, I personally prefer it that way. But I know there are people who would never get a tattoo that didn't have meaning to yeah. them. So it's really up to the person. Tattoos can also be used for identification purposes, such as they brand livestock's ears to help identify them. I know a a more extreme version of that was in Auschwitz. Mm -hmm. Uh, Inmates were tattooed with a identification number. I've also heard of people using tattoos to um, maybe identify allergies or certain things that... Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah. So if in the event you are unconscious, if you need to be you know, if medical professionals need to treat you, if you are severely allergic to certain things, that way it's obvious to them that maybe they shouldn't use certain medications or different things. The word tattoo comes from the 18th century, a loan word from Samoan word tattoo spelled T-A-T-A-U, meaning to strike. Hmm. And tattoos also could have symbolized you know, in those times and many times before, anything from a high status to a slave status. Uh, Another form of tattoos are cosmetic tattoos, so things like permanent makeup can be tattooed onto people. Tattoos are considered permanent, however, removal is an option, but it's extremely expensive and really, really painful is everything I've ever heard. Mm -hmm. And so, and it requires multiple sessions. So it's not like you just go in and get a tattoo removed as easily as you got it. The way this happens nowadays is with a Q-switch laser and it targets the colors of the ink. And so some colors are easier to remove than others. The opposite of what I would have expected is uh, it's actually easier to remove black ink and things like yellow are more difficult to remove. And that might just be because it's harder for the lasers to tell that apart from your skin. I I don't really know. Hmm. But my understanding is the lasers break up the ink under your skin and that makes it easier for your immune system to essentially remove it. Hmm. That's really interesting. Yeah. And so this became commercially available in the 1990s, but I would say a much more common thing is to get your tattoos if you don't like it anymore don't want it is to get it covered up by something you like more Mm -hmm. so kind of going through the history in order i found a lot of information from the smithsonian and so humans have been marking their bodies with tattoos for thousands and thousands of years the earliest evidence of tattoos was primarily from egyptian female mummies that dated back to 2000 bc so i think it's really cool that it was mainly females. Yeah, yeah, and I have some explanation for possible theories for why that is. But yeah, so that was 4,000 years ago. Wow. And yeah, and to think that they are so permanent that you can still find the tattoos on a mummy. Yeah. So that's crazy. But as you said, it seemed to be exclusively women. And sometimes that could be described as dancing girls, but they were often buried in areas associated with royal or elite burials. At least one was described as probably being a royal concubine. It had been long assumed that such tattoos were potentially marks of prostitutes. It's also thought that tattoos had a therapeutic role and function as a permanent form of amulet during the very difficult time of pregnancy and birth. Wow, that's super cool. And I yeah, actually, a lot of those philosophies that are thought about, I mean, if you think about why people get tattoos today, in a lot of ways, that is still true today, mm-hmm. where 
I know some people get the um, semicolon tattoo yeah, yeah. as kind of like an amulet for survival or that your story mm-hmm. continues on after, I think it's suicidal thoughts yeah, um, yeah. and it's, possibly it's, depression and just mm-hmm. hard days in general, I guess. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of the idea of your story's not done. Mm-hmm. But yeah, as far as uh, why they assumed that, it was supported by the distribution largely around the abdomen, top of the thighs, and breasts. And so that's part of why they thought it had to do with possibly birth and pregnancy. Uh, It would also explain the pattern, which was a net-like distribution of dots applied over the abdomen. During pregnancy, this pattern would be expanded into a protective fashion in the same way that beaded nets were placed over wrapped mummies to protect them and keep everything in. Hmm, that's super neat. Yeah, the placing of small figurines of household deity Bess at the tops of the thighs would again suggest the use of tattoos as a means to safeguard the actual birth since Bess was the protector of women in labor. His position at the top of the thighs, a suitable location. But all of this would explain why tattoos may have been a purely female custom. We don't have any specific evidence that says who was doing the tattoos, but it's often thought that the older women in the communities were tattooing the younger women in the communities. There was actually a more recent discovery, though, of someone called the Iceman. He was found in the Italian and Austrian border in 1991 and his tattoo patterns were carbon dated to around 5,200 years ago. He had horizontal lines, crosses, and dots tattooed on him. And based on the placement, they suspected it might have had to do with pain relief in those areas. Hmm. Um, Like the idea that... Like acupuncture. (laughs) Kind of, yeah, yeah. And so that was an interesting discovery that they made recently and I think they're still trying to understand and figure out why this man was found <laughs> for some reason I'm just imagining that practice being modernized in this like wellness heavy <laughs> world I guess yeah. I'm just imagining I can see that coming back yes like someone going to a tattoo parlor for like acupuncture and mm-hmm. someone just scribbling ink all over the spot <laughs> that like hurts really bad and I'm just imagining people walking around with like scribbles all over their face because they have like headaches or something <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And so these were um, like parallel lines and things. And so they were just in what would otherwise be seen as probably odd spots. Yeah. Like it wasn't for decoration because you wouldn't see them. That's really interesting. Yeah. And as far as some of the tools that were used for tattooing, specifically tattoo tools found near and in Egypt, it was best described as sharp point set in a wooden handle and that dated back to 3000 BC so again about 5000 years ago and discovered by archaeologists that may have been used to create tattoos. They also found small bronze instruments and they resembled wide flat needles and if tied together a bunch could provide a repeated pattern of multiple dots. These instruments were also remarkably similar to later tattooing implements of the 19th century Egypt. A writer noted that the operation is performed with several needles, generally seven, tied together. With these, the skin is pricked in a desired pattern. Some smoke black of wood or oil mixed with the milk from the breast of a woman is rubbed in. It is generally performed at the age of about five or six years and by gypsy women. Hmm. Evidence for tattooing is also found among some of the ancient mummies found in China around 1200 BC. Although during later Han Dynasty around 200 BC, it seems that only criminals were tattooed. Hmm. And one culture that has a lot of significance around tattooing is the Maori culture in New Zealand. Yeah, so they have a form of body art known as moko, but it's more commonly referred to as the Maori tattooing practice. Since the Maori people consider the head to be the most sacred part of the body, the most popular kind of Maori tattoo is the facial tattoo. 
Um, so a lot of people have tattoos around their mouth and usually below the eyes. There's not a ton of forehead tattooing that I've seen through just some pictures. Um, just so you're aware what we're talking about, I think this will help people have a better mental picture. Um, if anybody has watched rugby out there, the, the Maori people are the same people who do um, the chanting, um, the rugby dance called haka where they're like shouting and sticking their tongues out and clapping that originates from this group of indigenous people but they also have these amazing tribal tattoos one of the really cool things about each tattoo is that no two are alike everyone is one of a kind and contoured to the facial um, bone structure that the person has or the body type they have or their um, status within the group it's really intricate with really good craftsmanship and there's not very many artists left in the Maori culture who do this, but it's still continued to be practiced to this day. There's just not too many options out there. A Maori tattoo artist is called a Tohunga Tamoko, which means a moko specialist. These tattoo artists are highly respected and considered tapu, which means inviolable or holy. The Maori tattoo art became most popular in New Zealand when it was brought over from Polynesia in 1769 by Captain James Cook. And after the Maori people took in this tattoo adaptation, it grew throughout their culture and it even has legends behind it. In one legend, it states that there was a young warrior named Matora who fell in love with a princess of the underworld called Nikawerka. Nikawerka came above ground to marry Matora. However, he mistreated her, which in turn made her return to the underworld. Matora, sick with guilt about the way he treated his wife, he pursued her to the underworld, only to be greeted by her relatives who laughed at his ragged appearance and smudged face paint. Matora apologized before her family and his act won over the family and the daughter. Before returning above ground, it was said that her father, the king of the underworld, taught his daughter the art of moko. Matora brought back these skills to his people, and that was how the Maori became to have their distinct type of tattoo. Maori tattoo traditionally does not involve the use of needles. Rather, it uses knives and chisels made from shark teeth and sharpened bone and sharp stones. The chisel, also called the ahi, was made from albatross bone, although some said it were to be made of iron. The inks used by the Maori people were made of all natural products. Burnt wood was also used to create black pigments, while lighter pigments were derived from caterpillars infected with a certain type of fungus, or from burnt cowrie gum mixed with animal fat. Yikes, I don't know if I'd want that in my body. Yeah, that doesn't sound pleasant. <laughs> the pigments were then stored in ornate containers called oko, which became family heirlooms. Oko were often buried when they weren't in use. The black pigment that was made from wood was reserved solely for facial tattoos, while those inks made from bugs or burnt gum were used for outlines and other less revered tattoo areas. That makes sense. So the rest yeah. of the body. Yeah. In the beginning, the tattoo artist would study the person's facial structure to decide what the most appealing design would be. Putting that design on the face, however, was a very painful experience. First, deep cuts were incised into the skin, and then a chisel was dipped into pigment and tapped into the cuts. <laughs> so you could imagine being sliced open, and then someone also took a chisel to you Ugh, to, to dip poke your in open it. Wound. Yeah, over and over again. Ugh. Pretty painful. 
Another variation of this process involved dipping the chisel into a jar of pigment and inserting it into the skin by striking the end with a mallet. This manner of tattooing leaves the skin with grooves after healing instead of the usual smooth surface left after needlepoint tattoos. Interesting. Yeah. Maori tattoo, once a long and labor-intensive process, due to the sacred nature of the Maori tattoo, those who were undergoing the process and those involved in the process would not eat with their hands or talk to anyone aside from other people who are being tattooed. Those who were receiving tattoos made it a point not to cry in pain because to do so was a sign of weakness. Being able to withstand the pain was a very important part of this experience. There were rules and regulations around being tattooed, particularly while undergoing facial work. Many Maori had to abstain from sexual intimacy while undergoing the tattooing, and they had to avoid all solid foods. In order to meet these requirements, the person was fed from a wooden funnel to prevent food from getting in their swollen skin. Yikes. Wow. Yeah. The person would be fed in this manner until their facial wounds had fully healed. That's crazy because yeah. a lot of these... That's weeks. I know. A lot of these people I've seen have, like, tattooed lips. So oh, wow. that sounds like it would be difficult. Yeah. Because the face was often bleeding and very swollen, the leaves of the karaka tree were often used as a balm and were applied to lessen the pain. As we mentioned before, faces were the main area that people were getting tattoos. Women are less likely to have them on their face. They're more likely to have them on their arms, neck, and thighs. Only people with high rank or status were allowed to have these types of tattoos. A person who did not have a high ranking or social status such as a slave, could not have a face tattoo. Those who had means to get a tattoo but did not were seen as people with a lower status. The Maori facial tattoo was not seen as a sign of rank, though. It was more of an identification card. For men, their face tattoos showed their accomplishments, status, position, ancestry, and marital status. It is considered highly insulting to be unable to recognize the person's power and position within the moko. The male facial moko or tattoo is generally divided into eight sections of the face. The center of the forehead is designated as the person's general rank within the community. The area under their eyebrows is designated for his position. The area around his eyes and nose designated his sub-tribe rank. The area around his temples served to detail his marital status, like the number of marriages he's had. The area under the nose displayed the man's signature that was once memorized by tribal chiefs who used it when buying property, signing deeds, and officiating orders. The cheek area showed the nature of the person's work. The chin area showed the person's mana or prestige. Lastly, the jaw area was designated as the person's birth status. Wow. Yeah. I can't cool. help but wonder if someone would like sneak off and get a tattoo of fake ranks yeah like i mean status knowing people i'm sure there was some tomfoolery yeah <laughs> happening but i actually the part where um leaders it, within their tribes would study and know each person's yeah. tattoos so that they could officiate like it's like a signature it's like mm -hmm. signing a document but it's just visual it's so intriguing yeah, very interesting the Maori people have revived old methods of tattooing in an effort to preserve their cultural heritage. Both men and women have now become involved in the traditional practice. The art organization known as Te Uhi a Matora 
was recently established by traditional Mori practitioners. Their main concern is growing the practice of moko by non-Mori people. They strive to propagate the art form by reviving old traditions and preserving old methods and designs. They also inform others that the Maori tattooing is a cultural symbol and should not be taken lightly. If you are a non-Maori who admires Maori artwork and tattooing and wants to have this done, it is advisable to seek out a Maori tattoo artist with sufficient knowledge of tamoko. There's a lot of ways a non-Maori person could find options in New Zealand to get this tattooing done, so if you want to get it done, you do have options out there. But it sounds like they're still practicing today and still trying to make it a revival. So it's a really interesting cultural aspect of tattoos that I don't think anymore, I mean, in today's world, as we talked about, we're thinking of them as an art form. And of course they were too, but there isn't as many cultural ties as what they have for us. Yeah, I would say in America, if someone has a tattoo, it's just like, oh, they chose to get a tattoo. But there, if you don't have a tattoo... It's a very big symbol. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and so in many cases, just around the world, it seemed to have sprung up independently as a permanent way to place protective or therapeutic symbols on the body, as well as means of marking people in appropriate social, political, religious groups, or simply as a form of self-expression or a fashion statement. Yep. But sometimes, on occasion, tattoos have um, a negative light cast on them. Um, I found an interesting article by The Economist about people who have prison tattoos. A study by The Economist found that the type of tattoo tended to correlate with the type of crime a Florida prisoner committed. Those with drug charges had a higher rate of facial tattoos, while those with white supremacist ink tended to have convictions for murder, theft, or robbery. As makes sense, someone who is dumb enough to be a white supremacist tends to commit every crime. Fair enough. (laughs) Just as a bad person all around. Prisoners with Christian-themed tattoos had a lower rate of murder, assault, and robbery charges, but were more likely to have committed theft or drug offenses. Hmm. Prisoners with a teardrop or gun tattoo had a lower rate of theft charges, but you can imagine maybe those are more violent, hence the gun and the tears. (laughs) And that's one I'm more familiar with, and I know you mentioned that we have seen the teardrop like below the eye as a symbol as someone who has killed someone. Mm -hmm. Teardrop tattoos can signify that a prisoner committed murder or is serving a long prison sentence. Tattoos of three dots are usually associated with the Spanish phrase mi vida loca or my crazy life, but are not associated with any particular gang and may also have a religious connotation, the Holy Trinity. Five dots, four in a square and one in the center of them, represents someone who has served a long time in prison. Various web pages are devoted to the meanings behind prison tattoos, including gang members and prisoners in other countries, particularly in Russia. The Palm Beach Post found that the most popular tattoos among male prisoners in Florida were crosses. There were 28,000 people with crosses. Seems ironic. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Well, if you look at the statistic there and what we talked about before, that means that there must be a lot more drug cases going on because if they have a Hmm. religious connotation, problem is drugs. I mean, in theory, in theory, (laughs) followed by skulls with 23,000 stars with 14,000 hearts with 14,000 flames with 11,000. And for women, the most popular were hearts. Uh, roses, flowers, and butterflies. (laughs) (laughs) We fall into those categories. 
But I wanted to tell a story about a man named Frank who was released from prison, and when he was, he was having trouble finding a job, uh, mainly because, of course, he had a record, but also he had the words F the world inked across his forehead. And yes. To clarify, that's the F word. <laughs> yes, the actual F word. <laughs> but he ventured out and found a man named Father Boyle who helped him get a job. He hired him on at the church's bakery um, that he set up to provide jobs for people who were trying to get their life straightened out. He also found a doctor to help remove his tattoo on his forehead. The bakery was the first business in what is now called the Homeboy Industries, a nonprofit which has since grown to be America's largest gang rehabilitation center, offering employment and other services to hundreds of former gang members. Its free tattoo removal service has become the organization's biggest claim to fame. If they have good behavior, Los Angeles County Jail inmates can have the opportunity to go get their tattoos removed free of charge while they're still incarcerated. Wow. I think that's really cool. That is really cool. Because that shows that even though they're, they are incarcerated, we have hope that someday they could be free and that um, we believe that they're making change. Exactly. So. It's a form of supporting the change. Yep. The websites of many state prisons feature a public searchable databases of their inmates. The data usually includes their name, height, weight, demographics, criminal histories, and sometimes whether or not they have any distinguishing marks, including tattoos. Most impressive of these was that the Florida Department of Corrections, the FDOC, had a downloadable database featuring records for all 100,000 inmates currently incarcerated in the Florida state prison system. It provides a great deal of detail on their markings as well as their ethnicity, age, and crimes. With a few lines of code, it is possible to discover what tattoos a particular Florida inmate has and where on their body it's located. So this tattoo removal system obviously is amazing because if employers are, you know, maybe in an area near a gel, but they're also looking to hire people, they might be scanning these databases and, you know, researching you, looking you up if they're hiring you. And if you are proving that, okay, let's say you're in this database, but your tattoos are removed, maybe they see confirmation that you are a changed man. You yeah, know? true. <laughs> the most obvious thing that the data shows is just how common tattoos are. The data shows that three quarters of the Florida prison population has at least one tattoo, but the median for inmates is three tattoos. The data also confirms how generational criminal tattoos are. A whopping 85% of prisoners who are under 35 have tattoos, compared to 43% of prisoners over the age of 55. Interesting. In the public at large, the rate is only 23%. The majority of these tattoos have no explicit associations with, criminal, with the criminal world. The most popular designs and motives include names, animals, mythical creatures, dragons, and unicorns are especially <laughs> on the list. And Christian symbols such as crosses, rosary beads, and scrolls with verses from the scripture. The database shows relatively few inmates with overtly criminal tattoos. For example, 15% of white supremacists had heart tattoos, while just 3% had tattoos relating to the white supremacist movement. Hmm. Some tattoos reflect remorse. At least 117 inmates have tattoos with variations of the phrase, Mama tried. <laughs> <laughs> Let you down, Mom. I'm in jail. 
31 Florida inmates appear to be big fans of the hip-hop group NWA supporting F the Police tattoos. Oh, geez. And again, I censored that. Some tattoos are humorous because at least seven inmates have the words your name tattooed above their genitals. Oh, no. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Unsurprisingly, white inmates are more likely to feature images associated with the white supremacist movement, swastikas, iron crosses, and anything you could think of. Hispanic inmates often are raised Catholic and have crosses and all the religious symbols that we talked about before. And African-American inmates often prefer the words like precious and often carry slogans relating to gang life. Female inmates are more likely to carry tattoos of butterflies and hearts, as I mentioned before. Male inmates are more likely to have tattoos of images directly relating to incarceration, such as prison bars or guard towers. Hmm. Tattooing behind bars is prohibited. This doesn't come anywhere near stopping it, but it does mean that inmates must be creative when it comes to art supplies. One constraint is ink, which often has to be improvised from materials like boot polish or the soot from burnt textiles, like cotton. Yeah. Such sources limit artists to black and white tattoos. Finding the tools to perform the tattoos can also be challenging. Um, Hand poking tattoos can be very laborious and painful. A breakthrough came out in the 1970s when inmates in California discovered how to create an improvised tattoo gun. They're engineers. Wow. (laughs) Um, Using the motors from cassette players. Oh my gosh. Yeah. The new gadget made tattooing behind bars quicker, but featured only a single needle, which made drawing thick lines more difficult. I can't imagine why you would want it would a be tattoo such a high priority <laughs> that you would start making a mechanical yeah. tattoo gun. In well, jail. I mean, if you have time to, you know, sit around all day, you I probably guess. are getting wow. bored and you're thinking, what can I engineer? <laughs> These single needle tools actually made a theme in tattoos spark out in the real world. Because it was a single needle, thick lines were difficult, so it made artists more likely to do realism. Because if you think hmm. about just just like drawing with a pencil, it's like one needle, right? So yeah, it can true. be more precise. You can do more precise shading and make it more realistic and so this, people in that weren't in prison were like oh that prison tattoo looks pretty neat it, oh. exactly and so that started to be a theme after you know some time so you could imagine there's going to be a vast amount of people who are in prison with plenty of time on their hands to get all sorts of tattoos but if they have a moment where they're deciding that they want to straighten out their life there are resources for them so it's really great that the homeboy industries are out there helping people out yeah, that's really cool. And I, I know tattoos are becoming a lot more common nowadays, whether it's for meaningful things like religious backgrounds or maybe, you know, anything as extreme as prison tattoos. But I, I know most people I know have tattoos either because it's something meaningful to them or because something they thought was beautiful. And so, as we said, we both have tattoos. You have two. I have somewhere in the double digits, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Some of mine have come from flash sheets, so those are going to be pre-drawn designs. So um, like I have flash from Friday the 13th, which is a pretty common kind of a holiday almost for tattoo yeah. artists where uh, it's pretty common to have 
tattoo shops do a Friday the 13th flash event where they do a whole bunch of pre-drawn designs that are usually a little bit cheaper. I also have Halloween flash, so I, I didn't find anything specific about other popular days to get tattoos, but those were a couple that, that I've participated in. Uh, I know a lot of people that don't have tattoos ask, what does it feel like? Yeah. <laughs> so I, I we talked about this before, but it pretty much feels like being poked with a needle well, over and over and over. I wouldn't say poked because it's not like getting a shot, right? Because that everybody actually that's shots. more painful. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, maybe to you, like getting one shot and then getting something injected like that. I think it's more painful for that second. Yeah. Than getting a tattoo is for one second. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um. And honestly, every tattoo artist I've gone to have said that men have a harder time dealing with the pain of it. <laughs> Women have a high pain tolerance. Yeah. Like we we suffer a lot for <laughs> yeah. whether it's children or just monthly pain we we are tough (laughs) so i think that it feels like someone taking a needle and scratching you across the skin with it which is basically what they're doing just exactly multiple needles usually so if you don't have any tattoos it's pretty much what you'd expect yep it's kind (laughs) of a relentless kind of stinging burning scratching feeling but it's manageable yeah, it's really not bad. I It doesn't bother me much. Uh, and then the healing we mentioned kind of feels like a sunburn or an actual burn healing. And it takes one to two weeks, um, depending on how in-depth. And it kind of flakes and you put, you know, you clean it daily and put lotion on it if, if it needs it, things like that. So I would say most people I know have at least one tattoo. It's starting to be more rare for someone to have no tattoos. Yeah. And so I think that's mainly a generational shift. And so who knows, maybe the pendulum will swing the other way when we're old. Yeah. <laughs> we'll have... You know, everyone in our generation will be tattooed and none of the kids will be getting tattooed. (laughs) Yeah. But it's still, I think, frowned upon in some places, like workplaces or more traditional environments. It can be frowned upon to have tattoos, especially visible ones, maybe on your face or your hands. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so I know I've worked for employers who said you can't have visible tattoos. Yeah. And so sometimes that leads to people being creative, whether it's wearing long sleeves or pants when they maybe otherwise wouldn't. Um, or thick makeup. Or, yep, thick makeup or things like putting a Band-Aid over, like, your neck. I've <laughs> yeah. seen that. Wow. <laughs> or, like, yeah, a bandage to cover a visible tattoo. So, um, again, it's I, I think it's becoming more common. It's just it wasn't common when some people were growing up, and it's becoming more and more common. And I think people are realizing it's it doesn't say anything bad about you it's artistic expression yeah and it's often very beautiful and i think as technology is changing and evolving and as artists are um getting more practice even like it's it's becoming a really really amazing form of art and so i know one thing that i like is that the fact that i'm getting my tattoos young means that i have them longer so Mm -hmm. it feels like a more worthy investment in a weird way Mm -hmm. Um, because tattoos can be expensive but for good reason and so one awesome thing was i actually messaged my tattoo artist and asked a couple questions about her experience and just information that she would want to share with people so her name is chani she was wonderful and sent me some responses Um, my first question was why did you decide to become a tattoo artist and she said i got my first tattoo when i was 15 years old It was from that point on I decided that I wanted to do it for a living. I was looking for a career that allowed me to do art but have flexibility in how I looked and dressed because that's what's important when you're 15, right? (laughs) (laughs) And I would say, yes, things for me have changed a little bit when I was 15. Uh, And then next I asked, what do you wish people knew about tattooing and the industry? And she said, I wish people realized the tattoo industry is a compensation-based industry. When people don't show up for their appointments or cancel last minute, we don't make any money. We don't get paid for our hours and hours of draw and design time, and we only get paid for the time when we are tattooing. 
Tattoos are expensive, and I don't think people realize how that cost gets split up. Our minimums are high because it costs us a lot to just set up for a tattoo. Our inks and needles are expensive. We are all contractors, so we pay self-employment taxes, and we pay the shop a percentage of what we make too. I just wish that was more common knowledge so that people appreciated why tattoos cost what they cost. Next, I asked how she chose her style. She said her particular style of tattooing is hugely based on her love of illustration. I've always been inspired by Art Nouveau, an artwork with a foundation of good and varied line work. So it was really interesting to get the perspective of a tattoo artist and some of the different things I know um, for a lot of people that, you know, just being in a shop, being tattooed, so many people come in and say, how much do you charge? Mm -hmm. And then go, oh... (laughs) Yeah, But I I think what people really need to realize, too, is that you do get what you pay for. And a good artist, I mean, you're paying for artwork that you're going to have forever. And so when you think of it that way, it's really not that expensive. And they're doing an incredible job. I know they're so amazing and they don't get redos. They can't erase (laughs) if they make mistakes. They have to be on their game 100% of the time. Yeah, you don't get to have a bad day and mess up. Uh, They also do apprenticeships, which my understanding of how apprenticeships work in the tattoo industry is you are basically shadowing someone and learning, Mm -hmm. and then you start tattooing on other things like fruit, for example, to Mm kind of get the hang of using the machines and practicing line work and shading. And my understanding is most, if not all of that, is unpaid. So they dedicate a lot of free time to getting practice and getting experience in this. And I would imagine it's pretty easy to make mistakes, and I have not had any issues with that. And Mm -hmm. so I I love my tattoo artists and the work that they've done, and so I think they're incredible. I also wanted to give a shout-out to Chani. She works at Bitterroot Tattoo in Moscow, Idaho, and so she's been doing a lot of my tattoos recently, and she does an incredible job, and I love going to Bitterroot over in Moscow. If you want to find her on Instagram, her Instagram is C-H-A-N-I. M-U-R-A-T. And so she has a lot of posts about her artwork and um, her cute dogs and her cute baby. So you can go check her work out there. And so one thing that in our podcast in general that we focus on is countercultures. And I think anymore, it's becoming more and more mainstream. So it's not much of a counterculture anymore. (laughs) But we're growing, we're developing as a community. And it's really exciting to see artwork being expressed in this way and so many more artists having great career paths that are really solid in the tattoo industry. As you've heard from what we've talked about, there's so many cultural connotations to what's going on in that world and so many backgrounds that we don't even think of today and it's fun to be a part of that community and it's fun to enjoy the artistry and see how it develops over the years. So I really appreciate Chani for getting back to us about those insights into her world and I think moving forward hopefully maybe I can get a tattoo from her (laughs) and carry the weight of all of this great information as I'm getting it. (laughs) Yes thank you again Chani. I really appreciate you getting back to me. To find Chani again that was at C-H-A-N-I-M-U-R-A-T on Instagram. Um, You can also find us on Instagram at Friends Fascinated. You can subscribe to our podcast anywhere that you listen to podcasts to hear us again next week. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter. If you have something to add to our topic today, you can email us at friendsfascinated at gmail.com. We can't wait to blow your mind with more curiosities next week. You've just listened to another episode of Friends Fascinated. Thanks for listening.